0: Hi everybody, I'm Mandy with Mandy Speaks Up. In today's episode, I welcome you here with Alan Eby. He's gonna be sharing his story after almost 30 years. He was birthed, raised, and lived his life inside of this community and this system. And he's gonna be sharing his story about his time in that place, how it was walking away. He's gonna be sharing a lot of detail and I'm really grateful for him, for his story. I'm so excited. And to have you here, if you're a first time listener, you can find some information on how to, if you want to share your story about walking away from the potter's house, um, you can reach out and find all that information in the description. And so let's welcome Alan Eby. I am so excited to have you here and I want you to go ahead and jump right into your story so I won't have to take up so much of your time because I'm very um, honored to have you here for you to be willing to share, and I don't know if you know this, but you are I, you are the, the first male to um, share your story here with me. I've had many courageous um, women share their stories with me, and I've interviewed many of them, and I have had uh, men uh, reach out to me and share their stories with me um, privately but you will be the first to actually come on here and share your story, so I am excited and thankful and right. grateful for that. So let's get into your story, Alan. Let's uh, go ahead and introduce yourself, and then we'll go into um, your very detailed story.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, and uh, of course, uh, interrupt me when if, if I start talking too much. But uh, I'm Alan Eby. I uh, I was born in Gallup, New Mexico. And grew up off and on all through the Southwest. And then spent uh, my teen years and a little before and after uh, in Northern California. And I now live with my wife and kids in Central Texas. And we love it down here. Um, And my wife is a school teacher at a high school. And I'm a full-time artist. Uh, So getting into the story... Um, I was born in April, which is at the time Gallup, the Gallup church had two conferences. They had a spring conference and they had a fall conference. I was born in the middle of the spring conference. And so when my parents left the hospital after I was born, they went to church before they went to the house. So I was, I was basically in church before I was even in my own house. From birth and when i was six my dad became a pastor um he pastored in colorado in well in so in durango colorado in rio rancho new mexico and in redding california i left redding in 2006 uh when i was 19 and i moved back to gallup and then uh Over the next few years, got married, started a family, and during all of that time is is kind of when I started to have a lot of questions that wasn't wasn't getting really good answers, and that eventually led me to leave uh, the fellowship in 2016, and that's when my wife and I moved uh, to Texas. So we kind of just cut ties, knew what was gonna knew kind of what was the the outcome was gonna be. that we were gonna lose a whole lot of relationships. My wife didn't grow up in church. So for her, it wasn't mm-hmm. as big of a cut. Um, but for me, I, I knew like, there's gonna be dozens of people who will now walk past me as if I don't even exist. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I think I'm more surprised at how many people haven't treated us that way, even though it's still a really high number. <laughs>
0: Yeah. And I hope that after this interview, they don't either, (laughs) because I, I, I really believe that that's one of the reasons why people really don't want, like to share their story, but sharing your experience is your own personal experience and you sharing your time there and the things that happened to you, the things that you experienced there, like no matter what, that is your story, like sharing your story like that is it it, i really believe that that gives like a fire and a courage for others that may be wanting to share their story but they feel like they can't for whatever reason so i that's why i'm like oh my gosh i'm so glad that you are willing to share your story because you're you you were born you were born into it and i wasn't born into it i went in as a 16 year old girl but watching people you know being born into it I know I I I would say it's a it's harder. It's 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 more traumatizing. Sure. More traumatizing if you're born into it. I mean I had to watch two of my kids be born into it. And so I I've seen the effects on it. But you left in 2016. You're born during this April conference. And for those that don't know anything about this place, or perhaps you're watching and you know a lot about this place, um, so there have been allegations of the Potter's House Christian Fellowship Church um, from the very beginning, and you can research that yourself. um, And they have been called a cult for people that have former members, those that have been kicked out, those that have walked away, those that have been shunned. Um, You know, I myself was 100% shunned. Um, So you know, that that research is all there, Um, you know, and so. I want to go into, you know, you're six years old. You become a pastor's kid. That becomes now harder because he, now there's more pressure, I'm sure. Um, what Do you feel like there was more pressure now that you, especially because you were a pastor's kid like three different times, right? Like your dad got sent out more than once?
1: Right. So we didn't go back to Gallup between Colorado and Rio Rancho. um. But we went, so that was just one church to another church. Then we went back home and then to uh, Reading. Um, and I think my parents tried to protect us a little bit from some of the stuff because there's always, and this happens in any church, um, but there is this expectation that the wife is going to be the pastor of the wives and the kids is go- are going to be the pastors of the kids. So there's this idea put on you from the congregation that you're supposed to be perfect. Um and that's I think it's a natural thing. Um but it's still misguided. And my parents did try to protect us from that, but yeah, there's still definitely added pressure to to behave more than other kids and if there was if we did something wrong, we got punished to the max. And that no matter what um no matter what my parents actually believed if we were accused of being bad in any way by somebody in the church they took their side like 90% of the time and we were told that like we were we were given that expectation like we're going to do this because we cannot be seen as playing favorites um so yeah there was a lot of pressure from that, but I've you know I've heard that from pastors' kids that grew up in, you know, Baptist churches and Presbyterian churches.
0: So what, what, like, what was your punishments?
1: Um, when well, when we were younger, you know, spankings, grounding, you know, whatever our home punishments were at that age. Um, and then as we got older and we were getting involved at the church, it would be the same as anybody else. So you'd be sat down for ministry, um, you'd. You know we would have uh like media restrictions we couldn't we couldn't uh we couldn't listen to the radio we couldn't because we used to listen to a lot of books on tape that would be taken away um things like that
0: okay yeah um and i know in my time there um you know i i now my, I mean, this is my own personal story, but now that I've walked away and I've looked back, I do, from my own perspective, you know, have, I witnessed, um, you know, abuse of children. And that was one thing that I witnessed. And so like, I've, you know, I've seen it and I know they called it spanking, but you know, I, I seen severe, you know, severe physical, um, spanking. And I know that there was questions come up about that and it was always swept under the rug. And it was always just, you know, as I remember us having to read a book on punishing our children and I cannot remember that book, but I have told people about that book. And I remember like literally them ordering a box full of those books and passing them out to every parent and telling them you, you must read this book. And it was literally talking about, physically punishing your children like physical physically to the max and i remember a friend of mine being like i hate that book like i don't even but we were especially if you were um, you know up the ladder and a leader's wife or a leader you had to read that book um and
1: and do it not just read it you had to do it. it yeah
0: yeah i i don't know if you remember that book but i know that the book It was literally so crazy of literally like sitting your child down on a chair and telling them to do something and watching them obey. And if they didn't obey, like they would have to suffer the consequences of like physical punishment. And then you would have to do it again. And you had to keep sitting them back in the chair and telling them, like, go put this away. And if they didn't get up and go put it away, you would have to give them consequences. And that book was literally like mandatory. We had to read this book on how to punish our children. And at the time, you know, I was a leader's wife, and so we had to read this book. And I just think that's so insane. So I'm just referencing that with what you said about like spanking and stuff. But okay, let's go into, there's something that you said that really was like your quote that you said that really popped out for me um you said the way they abuse is approved from their leadership yeah so i want you to share like what does that mean
1: so yeah so this is going to get into that the, the toxic masculinity thing so toxic masculinity is the absence of positive masculinity, right? Having a good dad, uncle, grandfather, somebody in your life that shows you what it means to be a real man, somebody who takes care of things and isn't like crazy and abusive. But the absence of a of a father at all, you know, there's a vacuum. And a lot of young men grow up in that vacuum and they they spiral out into all sorts of different things. Um so part of the thing that that the fellowship has done, um, which if you're if you're not familiar with them, that's their own word for themselves. There's lots of internal lingo. and the longer you're in, the more that becomes just really normal. Um, but so the fellowship is the CFM industry. So what they've done is created a culture and environment that's supposed to replace all of the negative things, in culture that a young man without a father figure would seek. So a lot of that culture is about, and and this goes back even to some of the child rearing stuff. It's about negative reinforcement. If they do something that we don't like, you punish them. And so that's taking away of ministry, which is insane. Like if somebody wants to serve in your church, like they have a heart for other people and they want to go like, change diapers or vacuum the floor or play an instrument on the stage and you use that as punishment to take it away because they misbehaved like that's crazy because there are there are so many things so many churches that are dying for anybody to help and you know here's this group like nope we're gonna just take it away from you um and so when they they start abusing people and it's in all of those ways they take things away um that they'll start shunning even within the group if you start you you know you miss a couple services because you have to work people start like "Eh." you know walk past you give you they they you know maybe they don't actually take something away because the pastor has to say it's all right like you have to put food on your table You 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 told them ahead of time you couldn't be there they still don't like it they want to have that negative reinforcement culturally that makes you do the thing that they want you to do, or in most of the cases, not do the thing they don't want you to do. Uh, So even the times that the pastor would, maybe over the pulpit or in public, uh, affirm this thing that you did, like, all right, you can do that. If somebody in the church rebuked you for it, got on your case about it, Like they were, the pastors were behind closed doors, really excited about that because that meant the culture is working. Now the whole community, we can peer pressure people into being the ideal and, you know, their, their whole list of standards, which that's posted out there. You can go find them. Some of them are, are normal things. Like if you want to be in ministry in most churches, they're going to ask that if you give financial support to a church, it's that church. So, I mean, that's pretty standard. Um, but that you have to dress up in 1970s business clothes. <laughs> you know, that's a little weird. Um, when you have to not, you have to agree to not go to uh, the movies or have a television in your house. You could argue whether or not that's a good idea uh, to have one. Because there there's plenty of, of secular people that say you shouldn't have... Uh, tv's in every house you, you should you know monitor how much you take in because it does weird things to your brain but to for a church organization to say no we you can't do this and and for me i know i grew up at a point i i was in the church before that was a rule so that wasn't always a rule and i grew up because of my my fifth birthday Yeah, my fifth birthday, my parents took me to see that first live action Ninja Turtles movie because I was a Ninja Turtles freak. And that was so that was before the rule. And and it's all because there were some pastors who cheated on their wives and they blamed it on TV. Like you have no self-control or a moral standard that keeps you from sleeping with somebody you're not married to and cheating on your wife. So, therefore, we should take TVs away from everybody. And so it's those kinds of things. So if, if you sneak out and you go to a movie out of town when you're visiting family and somebody finds out about it and, and they get on your case, you know, pastor's like, good job. You get you get a brownie point. You get a star on your sheet.
0: Right. For snitching. They love for you to right. snitch.
1: and. And it's because it's it's creating that culture that they want. That when you bring new people into it, and you instantly want them to conform uh, to the group uh, ideology and 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 the what they look like. The first thing that they do is love bomb them. When you walk in, everybody wants to take you to lunch. Everybody's so nice. They're so happy. They give you books. They give you stuff. They invite you over. You know, it's all this great stuff. But then that now becomes uh, currency that they can then take away when you do something wrong. And then secondarily they start bringing in all of these other people and putting you and they, they want you to instantly as soon as possible, get involved with something. Um, and, and then they keep you so busy and so most immersed in the culture that the threat of taking it away freaks you out and you, you instantly, you know, Step in line.
0: Yeah. And every everything that you're saying is literally some of the reasons of why they are branded a cult, even by professionals. Right. They're literally you're just like name, you're like checking them off the list. And I have people that have found me that are in the it's still in this place. And they have actually questioned, Am I am I in a cult? How can I figure that out? And first of all, I'm really happy about that. I'm really happy that they're even asking that question. Um, but I know for me since I went in at 16 there was always a rule of no TV so we never had a TV right. until about a month when I escaped and um and I like to use the word escape because I was freaking terrified of leaving like when I say terrified, I know that some people that have like are not like they can walk away easily I don't know how you do that but for me I was freaking terrified I felt like, a bomb had went off when i walked away and i know now that it was ptsd and a lot of other emotional like real stuff that they say is demonic and so I, I know that you used a word for it and as you're explaining this it sounds even more like it as you told me it was it was like a religious gang and it and right. that, that you just described of how it could be a religious gang and, and it is so true though because it bring it draws people into that already have this because if you are already raised in a lot of this stuff outside of this place it's going to be very easy for you to get sucked in and then with all the snitching like they want you to tell on people like <laughs> yeah
1: yeah it's it's funny because you see again these these young men that grow up without fathers uh they either well it's not two options but they predominantly end up in uh violent activities like gangs, and maybe if they're not in a community that they, they have that a lot of times they end up in the military and either one of those things are perfect breeding grounds for, uh, people coming into this church because it's, 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 it, it depends on the pastor. Cause that's the other thing where I, I would say that the fellowship overall is probably a cult but there are individual churches that might not be over that line because there is some freedom by the local pastor. And that's slowly being taken away more and more, but there is still some to where some of those guys are good guys. There are a few, they are there. Um, We've both met them. Some of them are still there. Some of them are not. Um, But it's, it's predominantly uh, misogynistic women pretty much are there to to take care of all the things the guys don't want to do, which is taking care of the kids and cleaning. Um, And and they're not really given a a voice or a place. Well, if you're this ultra macho guy, like women can't tell me what to do. I'm not going to listen to her. So that makes sense for them, right? Um, They would absolutely want a very male-driven environment. Um, and then you have the hierarchy thing. And there are some, you know, matriarchal societies that are like that where where mama says and and that's it. My mom's my mom's side of the family is all Native American. And on that side, like, that's how it is. It's matriarchal. Um, our clans is if, if my if my dad was native, then I wouldn't even have a clan. It all comes from the mom. So, you know, there's things like that. that. This group doesn't want that, they want only the men's voices to matter, and so then you've created. And and here's the other funny thing: uh, if you start looking at how a lot of MLMs work, it's almost identical, but it's a pyramid scheme, and what does every pyramid scheme say? Oh, I know no no, there's lots of bad pyramids. This isn't a pyramid scheme, like okay, but If there's somebody at top and then this person makes money because this person at some point that starts to look like this. (laughs) It's you can call it whatever you want. It's a pyramid scheme. And that pyramid scheme is in the fellowship isn't just financial, though it is a financial thing. It's also power. If you are given a ministry and you're in charge of it, you're in charge of all of those people. And you answer to your pastor and he answers to his pastor and he answers, but it's, it's, there's never. So, so because of that, you always got this jockeying for power within not just the the local church, but in the organization. So there's all this politics that are happening just like a gang, just like the military. There's only so many colonels that are allowed. If you want to be the colonel, that means somebody else can't be. So there's only so many leadership churches. In the southwest if you want it somebody else can't have it and so at some point it isn't just a meritocracy which i've heard that i've heard that term used um and and i could i could quote the person and and we're not going to do that but this man said the kingdom of god on earth is a meritocracy you earn your place and then preach sermons that it isn't about works. Like, okay, I don't know how those things go together, but something isn't working. Um, so if it's all about merit, then only the worthy guy should be in leadership at all. But that's not how it works. Because some of the characteristics they're looking for are like what you're talking about. Guys that are willing to cut somebody else's throat and throw him under the bus and go, oh yeah, you know, this guy that you're thinking about promoting, like, he's got a He's been watching movies on his laptop, (laughs) which is completely unsubstantial. How can you prove that? But, you know, now all of a sudden homeboy is getting in trouble and you look a lot better for that leadership position than he does.
0: Yeah. And watching movies on your laptop um, is something huge. But some of these guys have had allegations of physical abuse. Um, I mean, sexual abuse. They have had allegations all over um but apparently that's not as bad as watching uh movies on your laptop <laughs> but uh, let's go into um your um you, you told me that you struggled with some like your mental health started to struggle in this place um and were you able to get help you know in in the midst of that um, you said they said you said that they um, called it demonic
1: right yeah so Really, since I was a little kid, I've I've had issues with depression. Um, and I used to also get like insane level nightmares, like where I would I would sleepwalk and I would end up like in the backyard or end up in the closet and stuff. And that would that was always surrounding like depressive uh periods. But then as I got older as a teenager and started talking about it and having, you know, being able to articulate it like, oh, this is depression like i'm depressed i'm sad and i don't have a reason to be sad and i can't do the other like i can't go and do things that i like and now i feel better um and i was told that depression and anxiety are demonic and what that meant in in as far as how they were going to deal with it wasn't like oh we're sorry that a demon is attacking you it's like no you've done something wrong and you've allowed demons to cause this. So not only are is depression uh, not a a biological or chemical thing, it's demonic and it's your fault. Cuz that's going to help me uh me battle with depression. Um and so at some point as a as a young adult in my 20s, and probably when I was starting to question a lot of things, um already about the group I started to just go like, all right, that's baloney and I need to figure this out. So I've never really got like got counseling or into therapy or anything, but I have. I have started, you know, a lot of it for me that I I, personally, I think that a lot of my depression issues is when I'm overloaded, when I'm overwhelmed and I have way too much on my plate. My brain starts to shut down like, nope. And so. Not being in the fellowship, and having my my plate completely full with all the church stuff on top of life stuff, a lot of that has got less, and it's not to say that it's gone away completely, um, but it's it's a lot better than it was.
0: And you were overwhelmed in that place because you said that at one point you noticed that you were you were literally working for that place more than your full time job.
1: Yeah, there was there was a year. Um, I I remember charting it at one point, going back and doing the math. Um, that I I was spending forty five to fifty hours a week after my job with church duties, and and some of those things were things that I chose, but a lot of them were things that I didn't choose. Um, I was put in charge of a nursing home ministry, and I had to run it. Like, and I didn't want to do that. I had no interest or desire um in that and it you know it wasn't massively time consuming but it's just one more thing um i had a sunday school class that was given to me um that i i i volunteered sort of for because there was a vacuum and somebody needed to do it and nobody else would so there's all that also that kind of thing where it's this subtle pressure to to step up and take on responsibilities that you can handle. Um, and at the at the time, so the other thing is they they primarily give value to pastors. Um, other ministries in the church are kind of devalued. So all of the young men that are coming in, you want to get them married really quick. And you want to start accelerating them through all of those things that I mentioned. And, you know, and they have all their, their Saturday ministries of going and of not, you know, annoying people on Saturday mornings and then doing the coffee house thing in the evening. Um, and you've got church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday. You've got Bible studies somewhere in the week. All of those things. All of that is to get you in this life of church. But if you aren't wanting to be a pastor, then you kind of don't matter. So there's, there's this subtle thing that's because this is the brass ring that we're giving you and we're calling out and we're challenging your masculinity. Like if you want to be a real man, you need to be a pastor. And if you want to be a pastor, here's all these other things that you have to do here before we sign off. So now you're, you're almost fighting to prove how much you're willing to work, how much you're willing to sacrifice uh, so you can get that brass ring. And uh, I've I've heard it afterwards from from friends and family that are still inside that I was fighting to be a pastor and no, none of the pastors that I was under was ever going to send me out. So here they were. and But they also didn't have the the respect or honor for me to come up and say, look, this is never going to happen. Go get a good job. And like you know, put, put down some roots. No, no, because they need all the, all the, all the hands they can get to do all the work they don't want to do.
0: Exactly. And you're, so you're, you're, so here you are, you're, you're working for them. And I like to say it's free labor because it's, or yeah. volunteer. I mean, they say volunteer, it's volunteer. volunteer. yeah. And it's shame. It's like shaming and like, ridicule and humiliation and it's like this huge like a dog chasing his tail kind of thing and I you know you see it so you've seen it so much um so it's normal to you but people from the outside watching in you know I have a comment here from Andre who's watching and he says it's just guilt tripping all day like that's literally what they're doing and then He also said, it sounds like they're forcing you into a people pleasing position and then shame you if you don't do it. And you're there, you are, you're just wanting to be like this good man, this good person. And you're of course, wanting to get sent out because that is the top of the line. If you can do that, you've proven yourself. And so you're going to literally do whatever it takes to get up there. And you, what is really making like, is, is scary hearing you say this and me thinking about it. Um is the fact that here was somebody that you know you're you you're dealing with like mental health, uh, and they're telling you it's evil and demonic and it's your fault. How many men, how many men? I'm thinking about this while you're talking about it. I'm like, how many men and let and don't even bring in women or children because that those are like who cares about them in that place? But let's just talk about the men. There are men in this place that possibly could be dealing with mental health issues. And they're person. want they're wanting help, they're needing help. And instead of giving them help, they're literally giving them positions to take over and to lead people and lead ministries while they're dealing with this other stuff. Like it, it do you not see the problem people like this is yeah. sick, this is disgusting. And this is happening every single day, like it's normal. And one one thing that you also talked that you also said was they they um and something that you're unfortunately and sadly which is normal because i feel like anybody who's walked away goes through this but feelings of like regret and shame because we literally did some of this stuff like we literally helped bring people in or help convert people um by persuasion and honestly manipulation and grooming and we did it and because we were taught that's that's the cycle that's what you do because you can get lots of points for bringing in the more people um points you know what i mean not like real points yeah. but you know and favor and spotlight go up the ladder um so like what are some of the things that um you know, i know you said one of them was like they bullied Bullied people into praying, um, like,
1: uh, yeah, that's a lot of the altar calls at the outreaches. Uh, you know, you go out in the town, you show a movie, you do, you know, play some music, do whatever you're gonna do, get a crowd of people, and then you get up and, and preach. And then when you pull your altar call, uh, it it's and again, it depends on the person, but really, because there isn't a lot of, um, there isn't actually a lot of good theology even. In in how they're doing this, it just turns into this thing of like, we need people to pray this sacred prayer (laughs) and fill out these cards. So Sunday morning I can get up and I can show off this handful of cards that supposedly turn our turn into souls going to heaven. Um, And maybe some of those do. But the problem is most of the time what they do is they get up there and they tell you, like, you are a terrible, horrible person. And the only way out is if you come down right now and pray this prayer. Again, first of all, that's not good theology. That's not how that works. And then second of all, most of those people that are stuck here, they're like, dude, they were giving away hot dogs and there was a movie. That's what I came out here for. And now you're you're I just want you to shut up and go away. So yeah, I'm gonna come down and pray your prayer and fill out your little card and give you Domino's number, and I'm gonna bounce because. You're bullying me into this and I don't have, I, I wasn't prepared to get up and have to confront you and say, no, I don't want to hear this. I'm leaving now after I just ate your hot dog and watched your movie. So it's all this setup of like, here, we're giving you something then you have to listen. Um, and then not just have to listen, because that'd be one thing. If you got up, you share your gospel message after a movie, you fed them some hot dogs, you showed them a movie, you get up and you tell them about Jesus and you pack up and go home. That's fine. But you bully people into coming down and praying this prayer with you. And then you send your people down and they go down and they, you know, throw their arm around them. And it seems it seems friendly, but it, it could also seem not friendly, depending on who you are. Um, and it it it's it's a lot of just and that's where it starts. Could you imagine if you pray the prayer at the at the park, you went and watched a movie, ate a hot dog, these people like scared the crap out of you. You went down, pay, prayed their prayer. You show up on Sunday and then they're all super excited that you're there. And this whole thing now, 15, 20 years later, and you're realizing, wait a
0: second. Oh, wow. This is crazy. That's actually happened. You literally you yeah. did. You literally uh shared a little bit of my story of how I got hooked in it. And then I also interviewed another woman that after 35 years, 35 years after she left this place she finally wanted to share her story and that was something that um she said too like i went through a hell house which is like a haunted house yeah i went in and then before i could get out they were like doing this altar call and they are literally like saying we're going to hell and that you need to pray and so like i prayed just so i could leave because it was really hot in there and then for the next two months, they literally stalked me. Like they literally stalked me. Um, they found out where I worked. They, As a teenager at a fast food place, they would find me there. They would go to my house constantly, constantly, constantly for two whole months. And then finally that's when I decided to go. And then almost 17 and a half years later, I finally was able to get rid of them. I mean, this is real. Like this, it it, yeah. re- it starts off so subtle and then it just like sucks you in. If you're younger, of course, it's probably easier. But they the tactics are just different depending on where you're at, on what age you are. Like it's really easy. It's easier for a 16 year old to to help convert another teenager than it is for like an old man, right? Right. So they're gonna want to use your vulnerability to get you in, and that's what they did. They would have teenagers knocking at my door to get me to go. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. So um, I want to go into. I know you touched a little bit about it, but I just want, just, I'm going to say, um, a little bit more of what is the differences between a man and a woman in this place? Um, you know, going up the ladder, what are some of the things, what are their different roles? What, what can they do? What's the difference? I know you shared a little bit of like the man's top row was just to be, just to be a pastor. Um, and then the woman's role was just to be a pastor's wife. And so these, this is like one of the things that you're like eagerly climbing and scratching. Yeah, yeah
1: that's the brass ring given to you. Exactly. Um, yeah, so so first of all, if you if you hear them talk about other churches, which it's never a positive, right? All other churches are evil. Um, but they're always talking about the feminization of the modern church. There are too many women involved. And, and any imbalance should be corrected. If, if you have a church that's 90% women and 10% men, the men are, there's going to be something funky. You know, you, you want to seek some balance, but their balance to all of the, the, the church world that they want to harass um, is to completely de-emphasize women other than in a family setting. Like women are really important because they take care of the kids. So the guy can go do all the things that we're, that we value. Um, And if, if there's a woman who wants then that's their calling, because that is, you know, there are stay at home. Like I, my, my, one of my uncles has been the stay at home dad for his kids, like whole life. His wife is a mathematician. She makes crazy money. That's his thing. And there are women that have the same. So if that's what you want to do, great. Right.
0: But But if you're in this place, how do you even know that's what you want? If like you, right. No, there's not another option given. Right.
1: Um, you're, you're discouraged from going to college because if the wife is working, then she's not home with the kids. And if she's getting an education and she's working, she's going to have questions that her husband can't answer. Who's the pastor. Um, so women are their their role is is really de-emphasized. I would it depends on the pastor whether or not they're actually just uh, garbage people. Basically, there are some pastors that are extremely misogynistic and women serve no purpose other than to make babies. And I'm sure you've run into some of those guys. Um, for the most part, I wasn't around those people. I saw them, um, but my parents didn't get along with those people, so we weren't really around them. Um, but you you know they're there. But even in the best of scenarios, women can't really lead anything, even from minor ministries. Like I would see women's ministries kind of grow up and there would be uh, a woman who's doing women's Bible studies. It's, It's about moms. It's about, you know, raising your kids. It's about all the stuff that that they are dealing with. And that would last for like six months. And then it would get shut down because. These women are plotting stuff, like they're going to overthrow us or something. I don't know what the thinking was, but it would get shut down. Um, So, yeah, women women couldn't be in charge of anything. They could be involved in most things that weren't leadership because those leadership roles were reserved for the men who were going to be the leaders. Um, But, yeah, because it's, again, what they're after are young, idealistic men young idealistic men do not want to listen to women. So if if you're looking at it from a from an emotionless practical standpoint, if you were running this group, of course you wouldn't want women in charge. Because women in charge would make you have to think about what's best for other people and not just what's best for them to do to support your machine. You would have to think like what's actually the best thing for this person? Like are we overloading their them and they're now they're less effective in this position in the church that we have because they also have to work a job. Those questions don't really get answered unless there's women involved. And that, even if that's just a pastor's wife going like, look, that dude looks stressed out. You need to lighten his load. I've seen that outside of the fellowship with pastors, wives who aren't really involved. Um, but that's by choice. And, you know, but they have, they, they're able to bring that in, but now you have this culture that only prioritizes pastors. Women can't be pastors. So therefore women are not prioritized. Um, And their only role that, I mean, the brass ring is that one day your husband will be a leadership pastor and you will get to share his bed and raise his kids. That's, that's the brass ring and again if that's what you want great but most people don't
0: and if you're surrounded by people that's all they want how are you supposed to say you don't and again like what you're saying it's like if you have a environment where like only the men are in charge and women can't speak up because they don't have a voice then what do you think happens in environments like that because you're going to have women that are going through things physical things things that are probably even illegal and they are not going to speak up and they are not going to come to you because they cannot they feel they cannot because the only person they can go to is a man a male even even law enforcement understands that that when a woman has been violated they get a woman
1: a female in, officer in,
0: yes Absolutely. to come and that they are smart enough to know that but in this place they're not that smart because in everything that i've seen and the stories that i've heard the women that i have interviewed who didn't have to share their story especially with some of the stuff that they said like I don't even know if I would want to share that because it's embarrassing. And yeah. you're, you're sharing it to probably some people in that place that are going to listen and they're probably going to be men and they're probably going to be like liar and and just not believe it. And that's what's really sad is because you've already created this culture and this, this, this environment that is so against women that... Even if a woman feels that like, even if she's not going to, I didn't, I did not I didn't, I yeah. I didn't speak up. And when I finally did speak up and I finally went to the founder's grandson to tell him what was going on, because I was like, he will listen. He will listen. Um, he hung up on me. He hung up on me and told me I couldn't. So, and I was just trying to share some really terrible things that were happening. So right. it, that just makes me really sad. Cause I'm like if you're sharing about this how this environment is 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 weaved like what is going on like you chances are chances chances are that there are um like other the the ones that are not really looked upon that have stories that are so untold that if you knew you would want to scream and shout and cry and that's absolutely well
1: and so so Something else that I've I've been thinking about for a while. So, because um, I'm I'm a nerd, I like comic books, and so in Comic Con there's this thing called cosplay, where you dress up as a character, but you're supposed to like when you're in the costume you fully embody it, right? So if you dress up as Spider Man, you don't answer to your name. You only answer to Peter Parker or Spider Man. You know you're play acting this role. Um, a lot of what happens in this group is you're kind of given this ideal. of a a 1975 businessman as far as clothing. Like, so that's business business standard, right, is what they say you should come to church in, is this button-up shirt, and I'm talking for men because women's, it's a little different, but it's still based on that same times period. You got this button-up shirt with a tie that you tuck into your slacks and your shiny shoes and a belt. Nobody dresses like that anymore. (laughs) Right? Nobody does. I mean, there are people that choose to, but they look as... Like they're peacocking, right? They're dressing like that to show off. These people are not doing that. They're dressing up like that because you're told to. And then you're also told to act in all of these ways. And uh, So the, the ultra conservative 1975 or early 80s, uh, that that conservative culture that existed, which it wasn't a conservative time in America, but they're basing it on the conservatives. That's how we should also treat our children and the women, and minorities, and how we should work. You're expected to be involved with church in a way that wouldn't have been that much of a burden for somebody who was working a full-time job in the 1970s. You worked Monday through Friday, you had weekends off, you were off at five. That's not the reality today. So at what point have they just become uh, the Amish 200 years later? We don't believe in any technology or clothing past 1970. All of it is evil. So, you know, at what what I don't understand why that's the thing. But here's here's where I think this turns into a more of a problem. So now, as as a young man, I've been my whole life in this group. I have been taught from birth to lie about who I am every single day which you experience as well, right? You come in at 16, and I don't know how long it took you to become more immersed, uh, to use, again, their, their lingo, to be locked in, right? Um, but when that happened, it's the same thing. You were being taught to lie about who you were every single day. And it was called denying yourself and taking on, you know, God. But that's not, that's not the thing. God made us all unique. God made you to love the things you love that I'm, you know, I don't. That's how God made
0: us. I like how you said that, but you don't even know what you like in that place. That's what's messed up. Well,
1: exactly. So if you grow up there from birth, when, when you start to have interests or desires or passions that don't line up with what's beneficial to that group, they're repressed. So when I wanted to go to art school, that was just like not a thing. Like, you don't go to art school, because if you go to art school, you're going to become a, a liberal homosexual. And that that's about the worst thing that they could imagine you could become. Um, but all of it, you know, art didn't benefit the group at all. So it was discouraged. It would be the same thing if I had the, the inclinations and the ability to become a doctor. It'd be like, mm, no, doctors aren't useful to us. We, only pastors are useful. If you're already a doctor, great. We'll love your tithe check, and we're going to spin the crap out of that. But we don't encourage any of our young people to become doctors. We're going to complain about how the devil is corrupting the medical industry or politics, but none of our people are getting involved with that because it's not useful to the group because you're being taught every single day to lie about who you are. So if you're interested in politics, you have to lie about it because if you express that interest, they're going to shut it down. You already know that if you grow up in it, like I did. So if you're interested in becoming a lawyer, becoming a doctor, becoming a teacher, becoming, you know, going into art, um, arts at all, all of those things are discouraged because if you, if you go to school, you, you're not here paying money and doing the things we want you to do. And there is no practical benefit to any of those industries to the group. So they're all discouraged. And because of the, the hardcore militaristic environment, you have to be the good little soldier. You have to be the Lego brick they've told you that you are. You can only be you know, a four dot Lego brick and you go right here and you do that thing. And if you do anything else, you know, we're going to shut it down. And so nice. I don't know how they expect there to be even healthy Christians, much less mentally and emotionally healthy people that have been taught to lie about who they are their entire lives. And then we're going to ordain those people and send them to another city to start reproducing the same Amish level of weirdness and and start forcing other people to pretend to be this thing
0: wow yeah I love how you said that that's so true because that is so true you literally and then when you leave it's like now you have to like undo all the lies and you have to start from scratch and you're like it's like you're building you're building yourself again and you're like okay what the only thing I know is my name that's the only thing I know is true what I don't know what else is true anymore I don't know and so I when I walked away I didn't even know what I liked I remember when I I had just left and I remember somebody asking me what was my favorite music or my favorite movie I couldn't even answer that question an answer? I, had, I had no idea what music I liked because I only listened to their the music that I was allowed to listen to Or the movies that I was allowed to listen to, I didn't know myself. I didn't know who I was, and that is so massively true. And what I've seen other people that I've interviewed, it's like they don't know who they are. And you were born into it. I just can't even imagine having to, like, first of all, how how do you question that? Like, what is it? Like, how? Because I was terrified to question it, and I was I went in at sixteen, like. What is it that gets you to question that after being born? And like, how do you not, how are you not scared of that?
1: Yeah. Well, I I will say that it definitely was scary um, because your whole life, especially, I mean, I'm sure you have instances you can think back to as well for the length of time you were there, but you're told that if you leave, like your, your wife is going to be a prostitute. You're going to be selling drugs on the street. Like you're going to be broke. Your kids are going to be in gangs. Your whole life is going to fall apart if you leave. So then when people leave, they already think that's what's going to happen. So then they do it.
0: That's so there's bad. That,
1: And And so there's that fear. Um, so I would say that the first thing is when I was, I was probably 24, 23, 24. Um, and this just shows you how long it takes because I didn't leave until I was 29. So we're talking four or five years here starting to wrestle through some stuff. Um, but I had a crisis of faith. There was a number of things that happened, uh, but I, I realized I had to figure some things out for myself. I couldn't, um, I couldn't believe things just because they've been given to me. I had to believe them because I believe them. So what I decided, um, and and I didn't see any problem with this and the fellowship connecting. Like I I thought this is this is still going to be a good thing, and this is going to lead me to becoming a pastor, which was still my goal at the time was I'm going to be uh, a more biblical Christian. I'm going to take my Bible and I'm going to study this and I'm going to take off all of the filters that I I have kind of accumulated over my life. And as I started to pursue that goal and read the Bible without all of the religious filters that I had been given throughout my whole life, it started to lead me further and further away from the theology that was being taught and not so much over the pulpit, but in the culture of the church, some of it over the pulpit, but mostly that cultural thing. It just didn't line up. People were not living in a way that lined up with what the Bible says that we should be doing. So that's our, and that was one of those big things that took a couple of years for me to work out. Like, wait, they, they are actually, teaching us to do things that aren't in the Bible. And, and they're arguing that there's biblical basis for this. So let's take the TV rule. Where in the world are you going to pull that out of the Bible? What are you going to relate that to? There's nothing. There is no biblical basis for demanding that people abstain from watching TV or going to the movies. They'll give you verses. If you ask, they're going to pull things and they're going to throw them at you. But they if you study the Bible the way that they tell you to do it, you study the Bible in context. You can't just use one verse and use it to back up your your argument. You have to have multiple verses. If you start doing that and applying it to their theology, it starts to fall apart. Tithing. Tithing is massive there, right? 10% of your, of your income needs to go to the church.
0: And that's the least.
1: Tithing is all over the Old Testament. It is not mentioned in the New Testament. Um, The TV thing, that's there. Uh, What about tattoos? I'm sure you heard this. Tattoos and and weird piercings, like straight to hell, right? Well, the only verse (laughs) that they have is in Leviticus. There's one verse. And you know what is also in that same passage? It says that you should not cut your hair or shave your beard like the heathens do. So they're relating tattoos and piercings to cutting your hair and shaving your beard. But how many times have you seen a clean-shaven, short-haired preacher up there telling you you shouldn't have tattoos? He's violating the same passage and twisting it to you. So it's those kinds of things that over time you you start going, this isn't one instance. This isn't one thing where it's kind of weird or it's cultural. Like, oh, they just don't like TVs and maybe there's some backing and they're not going to use the Bible to explain it, but that's just kind of the thing here. It's that's, that's not, that's one thing. There's a whole bunch of them and they don't line up. So it's, it's that progression that over those five or six years, I slowly started uh, like, like uh, Andre is saying here, connecting all those dots. Um, And that picture starts to look different than the picture that you're shown. And that was, Ultimately, that and a, and a few just really rough encounters um, with some, with some folks that should have been in my corner that weren't, and I'm talking pastor, mm-hmm. pastors and leadership people that I was going to with things and given nothing. I, I was given like, pray about it, brother, uh, kind of advice, which like, cause I didn't try that. Right. Um, so those things along with the, with the Bible study I was doing on my own. That's what led me out of the fellowship and that's what gave me the, the, the foundation to stand on. Like, no, I'm leaving and I'm not leaving because I'm angry or I'm lazy or I'm uh, carnal, which is another word that they've, they've uh, bogarted and used the, the way that they want to. But it's not, I'm not leaving because of those things. I'm leaving because I want to be a better Christian and I can't do that here. And so that that's finally what gave me the, the, you know, the impetus and the fuel to to just leave and cut ties. But that also meant we had to move away because I knew there was mm-hmm. no way I could stay in those small towns. I'm related to so many people that are there still in the fellowship um, and, and deeply connected, not just some people that are, are, you know, small church pastors. Like I'm related to lots of people that are in, deeply involved. I couldn't be around that. I would have to fight for my family every single day just to have any semblance of peace, and so moving away made way more sense.
0: Oh my god, I'm really proud of you. That's a big step. That is huge. And I think like people n- that have never been in an environment like this, they don't really understand that. Like, it's your identity. Yeah, like you literally like that's that's how you save yourself. Like. I yeah. moved away too right after I left. After I escaped, I literally moved hours away and I really believe that that's one of the ways I began to heal myself. Like that's mm-hmm. where my healing process was. Like I literally spent 5 years, 4 to 5 years healing from the trauma and the lies and discover right. discovering who I am, discovering what i liked and what i didn't like and i love the fact that like everybody has their own choice you know i love how you were like okay they're saying they're christian but like literally you're not even biblical like you're not like let me go do that myself and like for me i walked away and i undid everything and then i realized that I didn't even want to be a Christian. And that's not even the beliefs that I, that I, those were not even my beliefs. Those are, I didn't even believe that. Like, and that was okay for me because I was able to figure that out. Like, that's okay. Like, nobody has to live a one lane, like, because there's not one way. Like, you know, like you're, you're a human being for a short time and then you, like you get to figure out what goes on after that like nobody has to figure that out for you and i love that if you figure that out for yourself with no outside voices like i did like i literally did that i was able to come to the conclusion of this is who i am and nobody could say well where did you get that from well how do you know because i figured it out because i did and i and that's the freedom. That's the freedom is you're able to do that for yourself and that you moved away. It's that's a huge step because I think that if I wouldn't have moved away, I don't think I would be who I am right now. I don't think that I would be in so much like healing process that I've been in and so much freedom internally. Cause you can walk away or you can leave this place and internally You can be so messed up because of like you said they say if you leave you're going to be cursed you're going to go to hell you're going to be a drug addict you're going to lose all your money you're going to be living on the streets and i've seen people that that happened to them because it was almost like absolutely that place is manifesting this for you like it's a self-fulfilling
1: prophecy yeah yeah
0: it's so scary and so you don't want to leave and i was terrified to leave but so I'm, that I, it makes me happy that, you know, you not only did you leave, but like you fought for your family and you were like, I'm not, I'm not going to stay here and let them go through that. Like that, that to me, like you're a real man. Like, I'm like, this is the picture of a real man right here. Not, not the one who would have got a his own, his own church. You know what I mean? I think this is right. better.
1: <laughs> you know, and, and I think that, that going forward. Um, so anybody who's, who might be listening right now and and you're there and maybe you're still inside or you just left, like there's, there's hope you, you can be a good person outside of the group. You can be a good Christian outside of the group, go be a good, whatever you are, you know? Um, and it's going to take some time and, and just know like, that's okay. That's already kind of been factored in, you know, like there's when. So I know some folks, I have friends that, are, that were in the military that served um, pretty shortly after 9-11 and things in Iraq and Afghanistan were really crazy. Um, and there was one guy said there was there was a point there was this this little girl who used to come um, and she would just kind of visit around the base. And she was like she started when she was about nine or ten. And this is over a couple of years. So everybody was really familiar with her. And she came running in with two live grenades with the pans pulled. And she's running straight at these guys. And there's a whole, like, there's there's 120 people, 200 people. And this guy, he, he was the first one, he was the only one to react. And he said, and I had to shoot her. And then what do you do with that? So he just, so when he gets out of the military, the military knows. This guy has seen and done some things that most human beings will never do. And we, as humans, we shouldn't have to live through that. He had to do what he did to to protect the, the soldiers around him. But he still had to shoot a little girl. And now he has to live with that. And they know enough to say, hey, here's, here's what's going to happen. You are meeting with the counselor on these days, and you're going to be there or you're not getting your VA benefits because mm. otherwise this person is now going to take that trauma out into the world and they're going to do damage to themselves or others or both. And so just know that, you know, I, cause it took me years as well. I there, and there's still times that I am, I get really angry at myself um, mm. at the situation. Cause I I'm thinking like, I'm a smart guy. I look at things. I can analyze them. I can look at the roots of things. I should have known better. And and you so there's that thing of like, it's going to take some time to work it out. And that's okay. You can be angry. Be angry. You're going to be. You're going to be sad. You're going to deal with loss. Because the other thing is a group like that has replaced so much of your identity and so much of the culture, all of your reference points your whole life, that... It's like if you leave a uh, an abusive spouse, like you are, you are going to mourn the loss of that relationship, even while knowing that was the best decision you could make. Like, no, it, as much as I, I spent years loving this person, it is better that I'm not getting punched every Saturday night when they're losing their shit because of work went bad, you know? Um, So it's that kind of thing, like as it's the same kind of relationship you have with with that church because it's so extreme and it's replaced all of these things. So when you leave, there's going to be some negative stuff that you have to work out. But that's all that that grossness that's built up in that relationship. It's got to come out and it's going to take a while. And that's good because if it doesn't, Either you're repressing it and it's going to do worse things or I don't know. Because I do know that the, the there, there are times that I felt tempted to go back. And when, thinking about it now, further down the road, the only things that would draw me back to that church are all things that just stroke my own ego. Because I know I could walk in and I no more... Than whatever local church pastor I'm around, and I have way more connections, and I've been pastored by people, you know, way further up the flagpole than he is. And I I would have instant respect and honor, and I could walk in and take that place over in six months. That's not the reason to do something like that. That's a bad thing. And so it's just dealing with all of those things over the years. And yeah, it's going to take, and some people are going to heal quicker. You know, I, I, I see my wife, uh, there are some things that she's still healing from, but she's much further down the road in a lot of areas, but she didn't start going to the church cause we didn't meet there, but she didn't start going until she was in, uh, her mid teens sometime. So it was a number of years, but it wasn't 30. Um, and so, yeah, uh, It's, there is just a lot that you're going to have to work through and just know that like, you're going to find a group of people, you know, find find a community, whether that's a church, whether that's a, you know, I don't know, there's not really a, a cult escapist anonymous, (laughs) you know, something, you know, there's something.
0: Yeah. There's a lot of resources, um, you know, especially like, um, I would my thing that really helped me is I and and I, it was free at the time because when I left I didn't you know I was and then I ended up separating and divorcing from a cult marriage um I like I didn't have any money and resources and so yeah. and then never being able to really work a job and also discouraged from education as a woman so at 17 instead of finishing high school i was encouraged to marry somebody that i didn't know inside of this place um but so when i left i had to start from the very beginning i was able to get my high school equivalency um and then i was able to find free therapy um and that i'm not kidding you the the ther- i i would recommend you know therapy especially if you can get diagnosed with ptsd i've had i interviewed um a pastor's daughter not too long ago and i just re-listened to her interview the other day because i like to go back and listen to these interviews and they're all on my youtube channel and um that was one of the things that she said is she didn't know like how fucked up this place like how fucked up this place was until she went into therapy and she's literally telling the therapist what's going on and the therapist had to like look at her and her jaw dropped and yeah. some of the some of the yeah. stuff that she was telling her that had happened in this place like she didn't even think it was that bad until she started talking to her therapist and the therapist was like can you repeat that what did you just say and like she was like that's when I knew that I had trauma and then she ended up getting diagnosed with PTSD and like so this is real stuff what? like you're really dealing Absolutely. with stuff you're not just like oh you just need to pray more or you need to read your bible more cuz i did that i tried that it didn't work and i ended up getting more depressed i was so depressed i had suicidal thoughts as well mm-hmm. in that place and um, so if you can find therapy if you can find you know free resources near, near you there are you know there's even therapists and and um, holistic therapists um, that will do sliding skills and so they will charge with what you can. And I really sharing that because it, that's one of the things that got me into got into the healing was the fact that that I started free therapy at a like at a woman center, and they lit, like I to this day I think about those the session that literally broke the ice of some of the trauma that had happened to me in this place and so i like please research um in your area you could probably find anybody who's watching i just want to share that just in case um they they want somebody that's not in this place because sometimes you go to somebody that's in this place and they're going to tell you the same thing like oh go talk to your pastor Oh, go talk to your pastor's wife they're all going to tell you the same stuff. And nobody, I probably like 99% of them are not going to tell you like, Oh yeah, maybe you should see a therapist or a psychotherapist or go into like men, somebody who is a professional who's literally been trained with trauma, like who literally can diagnose you like, like duh, like common sense, but no, they're not going to tell you that. So, um, Because personally, I tried that as well with like my ex husband. Like we tried to go and get help outside of this church to help us, and then they found out. Like the the pastor, which was the fourth pastor at the at the time, he found out and he got mad and he didn't like it. Yeah, he got in trouble for it. He got he got in trouble for it. So it's like punished too. We ended up like other stuff, and then we ended up losing ministries and then the only ministry that i really like could keep like with two ministries of like singing and like nursery i literally was like you can keep it like you know <laughs> i and i literally literally was like well i don't even want to do these like you already, you already took away the stuff that i wanted to do and i was happy it was it was probably the stuff that was keeping me alive let me just tell you the truth like yeah it was probably just keeping me alive and then they took that from me. So I'm just like, okay, you can keep this too. And then ended up, then other stuff happened and we left. But anyways, um, I wanna thank you so much. You shared a lot of, you shared a lot. Like, <laughs> yeah. do you have any anything else that you wanna share? Like any story, anything? Cause I do want you to share um, who you are today as an artist, because I do want you to share some of your artists links, so people can support you in this journey um, because that builds community. And I know that you also talked about um, you just wanting to build this community with people so they know they're not alone.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I've, I've been trying to reach out to folks on, on Facebook. Um, you know, there's a group that, that you and I met through um, which is great. Uh, and uh, there, but there's other things I've been reaching out to individuals that I know that have left and just like, Hey, you know, I, you, you may or may not know me. Some of them I'm, I was good friends with at one point and just trying to build that community of people that are like, we're all here together. Um, and, and wherever you are, if you, if you, if you don't go to church anymore and you don't want to go to church anymore, like I'm still your friend. And if you go to church and you want to find a church, like I'll help you with that. Or, and, and if it's not the church I go to, cool. Like, but you know, trying to build, so build that community of, Uh, and, and not make it about church, make it about where we are, our common background. Um, but yeah, as far as, as art stuff, I'm on social media, just under my name, Alan Eby. Um, and I, I'm doing, I do lots of stuff. So I, I'm trying to do a lot of illustration lately. I just finished illustrating a kid's book with a local guy down here. Um, and that just hit Amazon like two days ago, um, which is really exciting.
0: Awesome. Um, did, you, did you send me the link to that? Cause I know I have some links below.
1: So the links below, you will find uh, the link to it on my website, which I did send you. Um, but I think the book has come out since the last time we talked.
0: Okay. Uh, awesome. Uh, well, you can, I'll add that below.
1: And uh, that's, you know, it's just on Amazon. So you, you can order it there. Um, but yeah, I do, I do lots of different things. Um, I, I do caricature. I do some graphic design and I'm also a silversmith. Um, because we grew up in the Southwest. My my dad, my dad grew up like deep, deep in the in the reservation. Like one of the only little white boys out on the Indian schools, because his parents were teachers. And uh, so that's that's something I've done. But my my big passion, art wise, is storytelling. So I, I really want to do comic books and um and not do superhero stories. Tell tell you know stories, real stories. And I probably, some of this stuff will come up at some point. Uh, I have some things Sort. I have to think about stories for a really long time before they, they start coming out uh, in a, in a more real way. And um, so I have one that I've been thinking about that's loosely based on s- more people that I know that were in the church more than myself. Um, but then blending all that together into a story that's I, as crazy as the, the story, the plot is in my head. Um, if you've been in that church for more than about four or five years, it wouldn't be all that shocking. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think that's a, a kind of a therapy thing for me just to, to work those things out. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm all over. I'm, I'm a full-time artist now. Um, and so that's, that's really exciting. And it's, it's also really hard because I have to work for myself and, and uh always trying to like tarzan swinging from vines i'm always trying to swing from job to job because i'm doing freelance art so but yeah you can follow me facebook and instagram
0: yeah and i'll have your um check out his links below too i have them all there and i just want to thank you again for being here and yeah thanks for having me yeah, definitely um, a brave story. And I know you probably just, like, barely picked at it.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's but, a lot.
0: Yeah, there is a lot. Um, yeah, I personally am hoping to write a book one day. And, um, yeah, I'm, I hope your art, you know, just blows up. And uh, I definitely want to check out that um that that book you said on amazon so definitely i'm going to be checking that out and um check out the links that i have below to find more about alan evie thank you so much and i am so glad that you and your family are safe and i'm wishing y'all so much more uh healing um but i know sharing your story does help and i know that your art as well um it sounds like it's gonna be very healing it's gonna bring up lots of like it's gonna it's gonna bring a lot of like um healing and so that's gonna help
1: now thank you so much
0: yeah thank you so much and until next time again if you have escaped the potter's house or the door and you want to share your story you can find me at at mandy speaks up on spotify Apple and my YouTube channel, and on TikTok. I'm on TikTok as well, and I've had people inside of this church find me already. They have, um, so I'm really happy. I'm just like, whoever finds me, I have found uh, a lot of former members have found me through my TikTok as well. So I'm like, okay, I, I, that's what I'm doing it for. If I can just yeah. have, you know, encouragement, like you said, community, then it's all worth it. So I'm really glad that. Um, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of people that are going to find hope through your story. So thank you again for sharing it. Yes, ma'am. All right. Until next time. Bye.
1: Bye.